Appreciate you, Pastor. Okay, uh, we're going to be in uh, John chapter 11. If you'd be so kind to turn with me, please. I guess I should turn as well. Um, I'm going to be honest, this is a little different uh, kind of a missions me message, but if you stay with me, I think you'll see how God has um, laid on my heart uh, tonight. Uh, the title of my message, if anybody wants to take notes, is God is Always Working. Um, you know, there's so many things that happen in our lives where when we want to say, God, why is this going on, or what, I don't understand why, why I have these trials in my life. But God is always working, and he's always working for one plan, and that's to bring him glory, and that's to bring others to him as well. And I, and I want to show five ways that he's working in our trials, specifically uh, in the story of Lazarus uh, tonight, and then we'll, um, and you'll see how that ties in with how he wants to bring others to him in the form of missions. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for how you've laid this on my heart, Lord. Thank you for your son and his work uh, for us while he was here on the cross, and then sending uh, your Holy Ghost, Lord, the third person of the Trinity, Lord, just to come and uh, fill us, Lord, and dwell with us and, and see his work on this earth as well. God, I just pray that you'd speak to, even if it's just one person tonight, Lord, it'd be completely worth it. I uh, thank you for the opportunity to, to preach your word. Lord, I pray that you would help me to never take this lightly. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to uh, start out by reading the first uh, five verses of chapter 11. It says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters said unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and, her sister and Lazarus. The first, the first part I want to I point out here, the first point in where he's working is we really see the patience of Jesus in this. In verse 6, it says, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So here we see God's, we see the patience of Jesus. And now you say, okay, it's patience. How does patience work? Well, I don't know about you, but whenever I see something that I know I can fix, and that I, and spe specifically if I know something God can fix, I want it to be fixed right away. I want to get things done. I don't like seeing things that aren't, that aren't fixed, for a better word, lack of a better term. And so, but Jesus, being 100% God, we know he is, he knew it was coming. And we know, if you know the story, we know that Jesus eventually raises Lazarus from the dead. But Jesus, knowing he's going to do that, he had to decide, you know what, I know I can raise him now, but there's a reason I need to show patience, I, which is him working still the same. It's kind of work for him not to fix things because he can fix things so easily. So he says, no, I'm going to show patience right now. Even though everybody wants it fixed, I'm going to wait. So uh, we see that's the first point here. We're going to skip down to verse number 11. 
It says, These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of the death, but they thought he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe, nevertheless let us go in him. Here, this is our second point. This is the purpose of Jesus. This is the purpose for him showing his patience at the beginning. His purpose here, he says it, he says plainly, he's dead, and I'm glad that you weren't there. I'm glad I wasn't there so that you'll believe. Not so that you'll believe in me later on, but so that you'll believe that Lazarus is in fact dead. You know, several times already they had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. So if Jesus was already there, they would think, okay, no big deal. Jesus just raised him up, not a problem. But this is serious. In fact, they would have thought even more so that, okay, you're not going to just let him die because for the first time this would be somebody that the Bible clearly says he had a relationship with. In fact, in my studies, I've, I've seen that there's two people in the Gospels that the, it clearly says the one that Jesus loves or him who thou lovest or somewhere of that point. The, the disciple John, who wrote this book, and Lazarus right here. It says him who thou lovest is sick. So Jesus says, I'm glad that I wasn't there so you will believe he's dead. Because I need you to believe he's dead. It's important so that because later on we're going to see that when Jesus raised him from the dead, they need to believe that he was in fact dead. Because if not, that diminishes glory. And Jesus doesn't share glory with anybody. We know that from the Old Testament, it's, the Bible says that God is a jealous God. He's not going to share anything with anybody else, and there's no reason he should be. He is the Almighty One, the Creator of all, the Savior of all, and he doesn't need to share glory with anybody. So skip down with me, if you will, to verse number 20. It says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Have you ever had something something happened, and someone says, you know, that's all your fault. You know, especially when you, when you know, like, you could have stopped it. You know, it's kind of like a punch in the gut. You're like, ugh, that hurts, especially if it's someone you love. How much more is that for Jesus here when he knows, even though he knows he's going to heal it, it's still, Jesus, Why? God, God, why is this happening? You know, for, for Brother Haley and Brother Mark's back with the, the kids right now, I know they, they would agree with me. There's been times on deputation when you're trying to raise it, and you're like, God, why? Why won't you raise the support for me? Why do I still have to travel to church to church to try to raise support? You've called me to Dominican Republic. You've called me to Botswana or to the Philippines. Why won't you just let me go now? I'm ready. And God says, no, i got to show patience because I have a purpose, because I'm doing something in you right now. I, I, I have to get you to a certain place 
so that when I do something, it will have the most effect, the biggest impact on bringing me glory. Skip down to verse number 32. We're going to continue on the point. It says, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. So we see now that's twice. Both sisters have, have told him, God, if you would have just been here. I'm sure if we all look, if we all look back, maybe you haven't, haven't done it yourself. If you haven't, you're, you are a much better Christian than me. But to where, because I, I know I've done it several times, you ask God, God, why? You could have fixed this. Why, why did you let this happen? Well, let's keep going. It says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then you have the, the most famous, famously used answer when you're a kid. Who knows a Bible verse? I do. Jesus wept because it's a Bible verse, even though it's only two words. And then verse 36 says, Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. You know, I joke that, you know, that's the most typical answer as a kid. That, but have you ever thought why Jesus was weeping? Do you know he's not weeping because Lazarus is dead? He's not, because he already knows he's going to raise him from the dead, so there's no reason for him to cry. There's no reason for him to weep. But rather he's weeping because he sees the people he cares about. He loves deeply are just broken even though he knows what's going to happen because he's God he's 100% God he knows what's going to happen in the future and he knows he's about to fix everything like he's about to fix everything but he sees the people he loves are hurting and he just this is where I believe you see the humanity of Jesus really come out and you see the passion of Jesus that's the third point if you're writing down the passion of Jesus here, because he just unloads. He says, I can't take this anymore. I am going, I am bearing the burden of my friends, like he tells us to do, to bear one another's burdens. He's doing that here in his work. He's bearing our burdens and weeping with us. No matter what we're going through, even though when we can't see him working, we can't see that he's there, we're, we're wondering, God, where are you? He's right there the whole time, Weeping alongside of us saying, I know I'm going to fix this. I know I'm going to bring you through this for my glory. But I'm still hurting with you because you're hurting. He doesn't want us to hurt. But there are times when he has to allow us to hurt so that he can bring himself glory and bring others to him. And in a second, we're going to see that sometimes our hurting isn't actually to get us somewhere. Sometimes it's not for us. It's for other people. We'll see that in just a second. So we have the patience of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus, the passion of Jesus. And now is a for, uh, the fourth point, which is the longest, but uh, it's most important. We see in verse 39, we're going to read verse 39 through 44. It says, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he has, hath been dead four days. 
Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, unto them, loose him and let him go. I want to point out the similarities right here between the birth, the death, well not the death, but the, the resurrection of Lazarus here and also the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know Jesus rose again the third day, but did you know there's a specific reason that he waited four days to raise Lazarus from the dead? It's a very specific reason, specifically designed to show his glory and to have the most impact on other people as well. In those, day, in those days, for thousands of years previous than that, all the prophets had written about the Messiah would rise again the third day. He would die and he would rise again the third day, showing his power. So in that scenario, you can see that Christ knew that he can't raise Lazarus from the dead on the third day because then everyone would think he's the Messiah. And as we said earlier, God is a jealous God. He's not going to share his glory. So he's not going to have other people thinking that Lazarus is the Messiah because... He's the Messiah. He's the only Messiah. He's the only one that's going to get that glory. So here, we really see the preparation of Jesus. Because not only did he not raise him from the dead the third day, but he waited to the fourth day. Why, why four days? Why not day one or day two? Well, that is actually kind of, I guess, kind of scientific. In those days the way you could tell that a body was good and dead is by the smell. I mean, and if you think about it, and Martha even said, Lord, now he's dead four days. He stinketh. And if you think about it, wh- how was Jesus discovered at the tomb in the first place by Mary? It was because she went to the tomb with spices and perfumes to put on the Lord's body so that he wouldn't stink. So really, when you look at it, you can see how... God had prepared this from the beginning of time, knowing that Lazarus had to be dead at least three days. But knowing that, he knew that he was going to have all of his prophets prophesying that the, the Messiah would rise again on the third day. So knowing all that, he said, no, I'm going to wait another day and I'm going to ru- raise. I almost said rise again. I always mess up with those words. I think it's because I've been speaking Spanish for three years. So, and a lot of y'all speak Spanish, so you can forgive me for this. Uh, so he waited four days to raise Lazarus from the dead, and we see how he's prepared all this from the beginning of time. And that's just the same as he's doing for us. When we look at the situations in our life, we look back, we can see 
in different trials that we've gone through. I'm, I'm only 26 years old. I know... <laughs> I love you. I love you. You gave me a talking to earlier, but I love you anyway. <laughs> Man, he got me. Uh, that's the best reaction I've had yet. I'm only 26 years old, so I know I haven't gone through, gone through near as many trials as some of y'all have, have already. But if you'd notice, I, I walk around with a limp. That's because when I was four years old, 22 years ago almost, I, got, I ran out in front of a van and I got hit by a car. And, you know, I, I came really close to death. I didn't know I was coming out of it. But God said, no, it's not your time. And, you know, there's been times when I've wanted to ask God why. God, why didn't you fix that? Why didn't you stop me from running out in front of a car? You're all powerful. You could stop me if you wanted to. Or why, why didn't you just fix me? Why was, in, why was I in a coma for two weeks and couldn't even move? Why do I still have pain today? You could fix me. But, but 22 years ago, through this accident, God started preparing my heart, just like he, he was preparing everything in this story, he started preparing my heart for what I would be doing today. I told you, I said last night that my, our major focus is going to be on children's ministry and teenagers with the intent of getting into their homes as well. God has given me a heart to reach kids because I know because of this accident that a child is not guaranteed tomorrow. A child is not guaranteed to be a teenager. A child is not guaranteed to be 26 years old or to be an older adult. So why should I wait till they're older to tell them about God when I can tell them now and they don't have to go through the struggles I, that people have gone through because they don't know the truth. So God prepared, started preparing me way back then, even though I had to go through struggles. I have physical limitations. I have pain in my leg all the time. Who cares? God said, you know what, Cody? I'm going to use this. I'm preparing you right now so that in 22 years, you'll be ready to go back to the Dominican after I've already used you for the last 10 years in children's ministry because this is what I have for you because I want to use it for my glory. Because through it all, the patience of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus, the passion, and his preparation is all to get for, for a specific reason. Look in verse 45, if you will, with me, please. I'll give you a second to look back at it. It says, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Everything he does is so that people will come to him. No matter what goes on, there's not one thing that happens in your life that one, God didn't allow happen, and two, that God hasn't prepared a result for it, a resolution, or a response. God has already, God already knows what's going to happen tomorrow. God knows what's going to happen tonight. God knows what I'm going to say in five seconds. Everything he does is to bring glory and draw others to him. So, 
then it becomes the question, what are we going to do about it? What has God allowed happen in your life so that he could use it to prepare you to do something else? Romans 8.28 says that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. That verse is, is one of the most verses taken out of context in the whole Bible. But there's qualifiers to it. And in fact, English, it's, the structure is different than when it was written in the original Greek. In the original Greek, it was to, them that are, to those who love God and are called to, according to his purpose, all things work together for good. That's a qualifier. And so we know that God does not lie. He cannot lie. That's completely against his nature. And so we can know that if we are loving God and following him, that anything that happens in our life, anything that he allows happen in our life, he's going to work it together for good to draw others to him. You know, I, I told you earlier that sometimes we go through problems and it's not even for us. It's for other people. You know, verse 45 said, uh, showed that many came and believed on him when they saw it. Sometimes God uses other people's struggles to impact us. And sometimes he uses our struggles to impact other people as well. Because no matter what, all of our struggles don't just affect us individually. There's ripple effects. It's like dropping a rock in, in water. There's ripple effects. Anything you do affects other people around you. So any struggles that you have are affecting other people around you. And so how we respond can have a greater impact for the kingdom of God than when things are going great. It's easy to thank God when things are going great. It's easy to praise him when I just found 10 bucks in my pocket or when work is going great. It's hard when my boss is a jerk. When we're being overloaded at work and guys are wanting you to stay, stay late and miss church or something like that, that's hard. But that is when you can really impact God and other people are watching. And in Philippians 1 verse 6, my favorite verse in the whole Bible, it's my life verse. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So going back to Romans 8.28, that no matter what happens, we know that God's going to work it together for good. We can now say, okay, so if he started something in our lives, if he began a good work in us, because all things are going to work together for good. So if he began something in our lives, he's going to continue to work it for good until Jesus Christ comes back. So what is God trying to get us to do? What is, where's the place that God wants us to be at so that we can reach out to him? You know, I told you my story that God allowed me to get hit by a car so that I would have a heart for kids. You know, it doesn't have to be that tragic of a story. Even though for me, it's not tragic at all. It's rejoicing. It took me a long time to get to that point. 
but now I can rejoice because God gave me a platform. What has God done in your life that you can say, you know what? Even though that was hard and that was a trial in my life, I now can use that to impact somebody else who might be going through the same thing. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. There's not, you know, I can say it now because I'm 26 and I'm an adult. As a kid, I always thought, oh, my parents, they don't know what I'm going through. You know what? That was stupid. There's nothing as kids are going through now that adults haven't been through. Now, some adults haven't been through some of the things kids are going through because different situations, different cultural situations. But there's always somebody younger than us now that we can impact because we know what they've gone through. So what is a, situ a situation in your life now you can look back and say, you know what? God wants me to use this for his glory. And that's what missions is. I told you I'd tie it in. Missions isn't just over across the ocean. Missions isn't just in Botswana, isn't in the Dominican Republic, isn't in the Philippines. Missions is taking what we have and giving it to somebody else. Like 1 Timothy 2, no, 2 Timothy 2, 2. I get those mixed up sometimes. It says, the things that thou hast heard among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men to teach others also. Missions is taking what we've learned of Jesus Christ, of who he is, and reaching out to other people as well. And it, and it doesn't matter what situation you're at. You can do it at your job. You can do it at your home, your neighborhood. We can all be a part of missions. Not all of us, God didn't make us all the same. In Ephesians, it says that, that he made some evangelists, some apostles, um, man, I wrote it down, I didn't even look at it. Some prophets and some evangelists and pastors and teachers. He made us all different, and that's great, because we can reach more people that way. Not all of us are meant to go to Africa, to the Dominican, to the Philippines. Some of us are just meant to be here and to give. You know, y'all are, are doing your faith promise this week. And as a missionary, I want to say thank you. Because even though we're the ones there, y'all are the ones making it happen, allowing us to do it. You're not there on the ground, but you're there in spirit. And so when we get to heaven one day, all of the people saved, everyone in that video, is going to be on your, your account because you played a part in it. So what does God want you to do today? How does God want you to be a part of missions today? Is it just giving? Is it being a part today? Maybe it's maybe you are supposed to go be a missionary to a foreign field someday. I don't know. I wasn't sure when I was a kid. I thought I might be, and God's given me the grace to be there. And I'm super excited about it. But not all of us are, and that's okay. But we can all play a part, and that's what this conference is all about, just being a part. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, God, I thank you for how you put this message on my heart. Lord, there's so many trials that go on in our lives, and we, we always just want to say, why? 
That's the easiest thing to do is just ask why. Because we don't understand. But God, you have a purpose for everything. You have a purpose for waiting to fix it. And through it all, you're always right there with us, hurting with us. Because you've all, even though you've already prepared it from the beginning of time, and you are always working through it all to draw others to you, Lord, I pray that if even just one soul was, was touched by this message, Lord, it would be completely worth it. God, I thank you for how you've worked this in my life. Thank you for this church giving me the opportunity to speak. Lord, thank you for the other missionaries that are here, and thank you for the way you've blessed their ministry as well. In Jesus' name, amen.